welcome to the Forever Broken Podcast, where we're going to be answering the big questions. Like, if we can't see infrared, can we see infrablue? And does the man on the moon have to shave? And as always, I would like to introduce the two fine gentlemen next to me who run this house, Gabriel Brew. Hello, everybody. How's it going? And, of course, as always, my oaky friend, TJ Davidson. What's going on, guys? Buddy here with us, Brian O'Hanlon. Uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. What's going on? I don't know if you got the video up, so if nobody can see me, I just want to explain myself. I'm like 6'4", super jacked, incredibly good looking. Um, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Uh, so I'm in the guard. Uh, that's how I met this guy. He moved to Washington on the fire department together. I've uh, been in the guard for 15 years as of February 16th, actually. So active duty in the guard for the last 10 and, and that's pretty much all there is to it so what else. exactly does being active in the guard mean uh well it really depends on your job but uh active duty in the guard is it's like being on active duty but you're back home at in your home state uh you could be retention you could be a training nco you could be uh, for me, I'm the NCOIC of the Gold Program, which is kind of like ROTC for the Guard specifically. Uh, so I work on a college campus training soldiers to go do Army stuff. So you teach them how to, you know, eat MREs and sit on their ass. Gotcha. Yes. That's what I like to hear. That's right. Um, I think we should have a lot of fun here. We'll get to talk about more of your service and what you've got to do um we'll just kind of get a dive into everything else in life as well obviously as you know we are a mental health uh, pro, uh you know program i guess per say or podcast in our words um but we know you don't have necessarily ptsd or some of the shit that we deal with um that being said though do you know people that do have those issues? Have you gotten to experience any of the kind of negative side effects from it, just dealing with troops and dealing with guys that you've served with? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, being in the Guard, you know, people kind of, because it's the Guard, you know, one week in a month, two weeks in the summer, but we, it's just like, you know, an active Guard or active duty unit, active duty Army. Um, so it's a year long is how long I was deployed for. Um, and they've, the Oklahoma National Guard specifically has seen a lot of combat, you know, I mean, in just 2011, Oklahoma right. lost 14 soldiers in Afghanistan. So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of a big deal. So you, you meet some of those guys and, uh, I mean, they, once you're in a unit with them, they talk to you about some of the things that they dealt with and you see that it's like, it's a real thing, you know, you specifically, do you have any, uh, post-combat traumas that you deal with like anxiety or depression, um, any of that stuff? Uh, for me specifically, so whenever I was uh, deployed, it was just, I mean, it, it kind of turned into like a deal where, you know, we were originally going to Afghanistan and then they changed it last minute and like, oh, hey, you're going to live in Kuwait. And then um, they found us a mission to go run convoy security in Iraq. And it was just, I mean, kind of a cake deal. I mean, nothing really crazy happened. So for me specifically, no. I mean. Got you. Um uh kind of same note but being being in the service and and being somebody that is detail oriented um you're highly motivated you receive orders you execute orders or you give orders you expect orders to be executed um being in the position you're at where you're on a college campus where there would probably be issues with somebody like myself trying to deal with with those those youth um, and their their attitude. Uh, how difficult is it for you to to do that job? I mean, just the, the candidates that I have right now aren't really. It's not it's not too bad. But you know, so I grew up back in the day. Whenever it was like old guard, you know, you had a bunch of more hardened type individuals. It was more structured. It was more. Uh, it's a little bit tougher so i mean really it's just like i guess i'd say like a generational thing you know they handle stress a lot differently than us old heads do you know i mean 
they stress out about all these small things and for me growing up there's like real stresses you know whenever you're deployed or whatever the case may be and then right. you get home and you know there's these these young guys that they just handle it so much different I think that's something we've kind of brought up too is just the way that they've been taught how to deal with stress and serious situations it's changed dramatically you know we didn't have the big concern wasn't what your sex was or how you identify you know 20 years ago or 10 years ago it was what's your job how are we going to get our job accomplished and now we're adding these new stressors and these new kind of topics that just make it a lot harder to focus on the job at hand and how to deal with it and something that i didn't mention before when we talked about it's just like there used to be like i have a structured way to deal with it where when you got out there like hey this is how you acclimatize to civilian life they don't do that anymore now it's like hey we'll show you how to fill out a resume and uh based off the job you have you can't do shit with it but you know i fill out a resume that's pretty cool yeah so can you tell me a little bit more about the gold program though so at ecu that's a a campus here in oklahoma you said it's kind of like ROTC, so like if you're a regular uh, M-Day soldier in the Guard, and so you're enlisted, and you want to go to the officer side of the house, that's what you do? Yeah, so uh, M-Day means you drill, right, one week in a month. Um, if you want to go to officer candidate school, you have to have 90 college credits, and it's, it's based on infantry ta tactics. Um, so we have an OIC, an officer in charge. I'm the NCOIC, the non-commissioned officer in charge. Um, so he does all the planning and everything, and I'm the, I guess you could say the tactical trainer. I teach them all the tactics so they can be successful at officer candidate school. Um, so they just have to be a student, and they join the program. And so for our non-military non listeners, what's the difference between the uh, non-commissioned officer and an actual commissioned officer? The commissioned officer plans the mission. They plan everything, and then... The NCO is the execution arm of the officer, so we execute. And I, yeah, and I guess I think for us, I mean, when you look at like a commissioned officer, that's somebody that went to college, went through the, uh, you know, actual officer training school, and then the non-commissioned officers were us guys that picked up the NCO, you know, emblem or rank uh, mm -hmm. through the commit, or, you know, non-commissioned side. So. The guys that were enlisted would become non-commissioned officers as opposed to the guys that went to college and did the whole kit and caboodle became you know actual commissioned officers and not to say there isn't ways to become a commissioned officer the you know enlisted route but uh, i think by large that's something that that's my understanding of it yeah i mean typically you're for for the most part a lot of your officers or they have less experience than your non-commissioned officers so or i guess you guys were ncos as well yes your route okay so i mean you you guys had the experience and then your officers would if they were good would lean on you for your experience to you know assist assist with the uh the planning of the mission so yeah i mean if we had a second lieutenant has been in the fleet for 10 days as opposed to us who had been in four years at that time you know years like hey, just listen to me, take my advice, trust me on this one, and then they'd get a hard-on about their rank and be like, no, you listen to me. Yeah, salute you know, me. You're like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> so through the gold program, is that's only for commissioned officers, not warrant officers, right? So could you explain a little bit about the difference between a, a commissioned officer and a warrant officer? I don't know if anybody really knows what a warrant officer does. Um, they're just, they've got a specific job and they're experts in that job, like the subject matter expert in everything, whatever that is. Pilots, I mean, your your maintenance, your transportation, they are the HR, I mean, they're the SMEs in that. Um, the way I see it, they don't answer to anybody. And then, so they're almost like an in-between enlisted an officer, you know what I mean? Like they kind of... Yeah, they're, they're their own thing. I yeah. mean, it's... It's a weird deal, and I'm pretty sure it's that way in every branch as far as... So to go yeah, warrant officer, though, you, you don't have anything to do with that. It's only for commission? Just commission officers that need college. You don't have to have a college degree to be a warrant officer. Okay. 
which makes them badass by trade. I mean, really. Well, and also they have to be in, I think they have to be in their specific job field for at least five years in order to be eligible. And they have to be an NCO yeah. for a minimum of, I want to say, two years before they're eligible to be a warrant officer. So you know they already have the experience. And then so when they're doing stuff, like they just generally get more respect from the troops because they've kind of been in the same shoes. Yeah. yeah they're like the, sure. the only one that doesn't have that the, is a pilot. Yeah, they're like the Elon Musk of the military world. Did you <laughs> yeah. read a manual before you came on here, TJ? Because that was pretty impressive, bro. Did that I read a what? Fantastic. A manual before hopping on today? That was but No, I'm he researched to, it. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, so I've been researching, you know, differences. Uh, I got an uh, acronym for you. It's uh, E-A-S. Well, it's E-T-S in the Army. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know. Like they're gonna eventually terminate your service or some shit. My ETS sounds like my time of arrival. What does EAS stand for again? End of active service. End of active service. Okay, this one's expiration of term of service. Oh, I guess go. they're the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. ETS just reminds me of saying like expiration your makes me feel like you were uh, like a KIA or uh, an accidental death, bro. Yeah, like I expired. <laughs> Like I got completely expired, and I'm not good ever, ever again. Yeah, like I, and that—that's kind of how they made us feel, anyway. I mean, honestly, I mean, you get out of the military, and they're like, "Yeah, you're fucking, you're old fucking news now. You're fucking moldy, goddamn cheese. Get out of here." Yeah, until Russia. With that, fucking. With that being said, though, dude, like, uh, before you became the the gold program NCOIC, and before all of that. When you initially went into, did you go active duty or were you always in the guard? So I started guard. So people will give me crap whenever I whenever I say this. Initially, I wanted to be a marine, right? So I was like, man, I'm, I want to be a marine. I played like marine scout sniper whenever I was like 16. I was like, dude, that's me. And then you know, of course, your parents are like, hey, you got to go to college. Uh, so whenever I was talking to the branches, my dad or I, I ended up talking to the guard and I talked to the Marine Corps and. The college benefits, you know, kind of outweighed the other one, and I could still go do 11 Bravo or infantry things. Um, so I ended up going straight guard. Right, which is so, a reasonable decision to make. I think a lot of people don't realize this also when you're talking about joining the service. On the active duty side, all of your benefits are the same no matter what branch you're in. But, like, the guard, for example, they have different, um, like, tuition assistance programs on top of that. That's why... Unless you probably know more about this than I do, but they they there's a little bit more from the guard on top of um, like what the active duty can offer you. Yeah, for the most part, everything that the active duty gets, we get plus 100% of my tuition was waived to any public college in Oklahoma, so not bad. Which makes a lot more sense. I mean, as opposed to going active duty, then you have to wait until you know you get out to use your GI bill to actually get those benefits so you're getting a jump start on life i mean really and that may make yeah. it damn impossible to use your goddamn benefits yeah yeah well, we're oklahoma sure also does grants out. if you can you can apply for these grants and uh, i think it's like up to five thousand dollars of uh just tuition fees or uh, uh for books and stuff like that and nobody takes advantage of it so if you apply for it you pretty much automatically get it because they have so many slots but since nobody does it if you I, was apply say, for I think that's pretty that's pretty universal i think in most states because people <laughs> don't want to do the work to fill out the piece of paper to get the grant i mean well, it's like super don't know about simple it. it's super simple to do but if you have a good like college uh whatever you call them counselor or whatever like they'll set you up with that you know, right. they they should have the information to point you in the right direction, and in most cases they don't because they don't want to do the work, or you know they just don't know. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't qualify for that stuff. You know, if your parents make too much money, you know, you, you can't get the grant. Yeah. Um, but if you're old like me, whenever you go to college again, uh, you qualify. So yeah, because yeah, we were making it on our own. You know, have, so have to be our when. What I'm what I'm getting is, is you so you joined the guard you joined the guard specifically because you wanted to go through college but also do the infantry thing so you went in as an infantryman 
um, and was in college at the same time, was the plan to be an officer or were you never planning to be an officer? You just wanted to check that college box to keep mom and dad happy. Really? I mean, so my dad always said like, hey, go be an officer. So they had the goal uh, whenever I first went to college. So 2007, um, 2008 time frame. And I went and visited with the gold program, and that is as, is as far as it. This isn't you know, be a part of my unit, and that was it. So no, uh, I've I've never had aspirations in my 15 years uh, to be an officer. Not that it's a bad thing, but you know I enjoy what I do. So in your. little snippet that you sent out um you reclassed as a 19 delta in 2009 uh there's a two-part question why the reclass and then uh why 19 delta uh what is the 19 delta just for those that don't know mls numbers yeah so it was actually like a weird deal um so 19 delta is a cap scout uh they, they focus on reconnaissance at the the troop level or company level whatever you want to call it um, we were mounted cab, though we used Humvees and stuff like that. But I grew up in one town, and I was like this broke college kid in 2009. And they said, "Hey, this unit is." Cha can you hear me? See you shake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can. Um, yeah. There's just a lot, lot of feet. Okay. So they said, "Hey, our unit is changed to a 19 Delta unit or a cav cavalry scout unit." Um, but if you want to stay infantry, you're going to have to drill in Shawnee. And now I've never been in this part of the state. I just was living in Ada. And they said, if you go to Shawnee, you could be. I never, I didn't know where Shawnee was. So I was like, dude, I can't afford to drive to Shawnee once a month. It was only like 20 minutes away or 30 minutes away. But as a broke college kid, I was like, no, that's that's too expensive. I'll reclass. So that's why I reclassed to, to 19 Delta. So I didn't have a choice in which MOS I reclassed to. It was just reclass 19 Delta or drive to Shawnee. So just to add on to that, um, <clears throat> depending on what your MOS is, is depending on what town you drill in, right? Like they, what unit, because those units aren't everywhere. It's a specific unit in this specific town. So if you're that job, that's where you drill at? Yeah, so we have units for everything. I mean, you've got infantry guys, you've got artillery guys, you've got, you know, medics, and they all have units all across the state. So yeah, I drilled in, uh, Jordan 8 is a 19 Delta for a long time. And then after you got done, well, I guess not even after you got done, you're still doing it. Uh, you've also had experience in the firefighting is what I got gathered from our talk earlier. Yeah, I, I joined the volunteer fire department whenever I moved here uh, to this town in 2016. So I've been doing it since 2016. And how's that treated you? How do you feel about that community? The community itself is awesome. I mean, I just thought it'd be cool to be a firefighter before. I mean, fighting fires sounds pretty awesome. And I'll be honest, it is really awesome. Um, because, I mean, I, I don't know, you can't really get better than being in the middle of a fire and, you know, having a dip in and having your face mask on and spitting into the face mask. <laughs> you can't spit. Anyways, uh, so... Yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty awesome. The community itself, what really made me like I moved here and then we had like a little girl go missing. And um, so they posted on Facebook and they called out the fire department. It was like, hey, this girl's missing. We got to find her. She's like 10 years old. Uh, and whenever we went at our department to search, you know, the entire community, like literally everybody was out helping us. And it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. So, you know, a lot of towns don't have that kind of community love that that this little town does. So. And do you feel like there's a lot better uh, volunteer involvement like you guys are taking care of? I just, uh, you know, I was active, like an actual paid department, and it seemed like the volunteer side of things has been growing to be more and more difficult to be a part of. Uh, do you guys see any of that in Oklahoma where you're at? I don't think it's hard to be a part of. The biggest issue is finding people that want to be a part of it, you know, um, because not everybody has what it takes to go, you know, work car accidents or work medical calls or fight fires. Um, 
And you could say, I know you were wanting to say real firefighter. Uh, you could say you're a real firefighter. We, we still fight fire sometimes, you know. Uh, no, not even that. It's just more the pay, like I was saying, the paid first volunteer yeah. thing. And I've got a lot of respect for volunteers because you're in a smaller community, you're not getting paid for it, and you're going to doing the same thing that we were doing. You're just not seeing it as high of volume that we did. And just is one of those things that I noticed, uh, like our state, the number of hours that you had to commit to being a volunteer and the classes you had to manage uh, on top of your regular job, regular jobs were saying, we're not going to give you this amount of time anymore uh, because of the way that the world is right now. And then you're sitting there trying to meet all these hours on top of your already regular job that's just busy as all hell. And it just seems like it's gotten more and more difficult to actually maintain a volunteer status because of that. And like you had said, you know, it's hard to find people. And because again, like we talked about a minute ago, it's, people have changed and we're not used to seeing trauma. We're not used to going and doing difficult things. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it does require a lot of extra stuff, you know, going to the schools and stuff. on top of having a real life, you know. And I was kidding about the real firefighter thing. I've got a buddy that says that. He's like, <laughs> real firefighter stuff, you know. It's like, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, I don't it does uh, require a little bit of extra commitment. I mean, as a volunteer, you know, you have, let's say you have like a nine to five job Monday through Friday, and then you get a call like in the middle of the night. You know, we're not already on shift and we're going to be off the next day. It's like, you know, you go work that call at midnight, you get home at two in the morning, try to fall back asleep, and then you got to wake up the next morning, you know. Yeah, one, and I think one of the things, too, is like whenever I was going through the Firefighter 1 course, you know, I'd go to work at five o'clock in the morning, get home about five o'clock in the afternoon. And then at seven, I had to go to this class for four hours, you know, and then I did that three days a week. Well, two days a week and then all day Saturday, eight hours on Saturday. And then between doing that and working a full-time job, or I was never home during the time. So that puts a lot of stress on, on a family situation, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's just a lot, in my, you know, in my opinion, to sit there and try to balance all that anyway. And, you know, just having been on the paid side, it was kind of, we were doing the same thing in our own way, you know. Like you said, you, you're up at 2 a.m. for a call, and then you're waking up at 6. Uh, the difference being we were waking up at 2, and then waking up at 3, and then waking up at 4 for the next call. Uh, and then I get off and I go home at eight and I have to be a dad. And that's that's a lot to balance. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I can't imagine being in, well, actually I can because I was a volunteer for two years department. But you get up, you go do that. And then the next day you're just expected to keep going on about day to day, you know. So it's hard any way you look at it. Yeah, and like in a so in like a small town, you know, you might not get a call for like a week. You know, like when was the last time we had a call? Probably last week, I think. Probably last a week ago. ago. So, I mean, you work a call, you've got a car accident, and everybody's dead, and then you don't have another call for you know for two weeks. So you can't really. It's harder to check on your buddy. You guys, you might have all hours, then you're back on. Uh, yep. at the fire department with the same guys that ran that call so you can you notice those changes in them like oh man this guy might be taking it a little bit you know different or you can check on them but on the volunteer side I mean you might not see the guy again for two or three weeks you know so yeah and that yeah, guy might not sucks. even be on the next call that you're on too because it's, you know it's a volunteer department so it's whoever can get there yeah. so it might be a, a good while before you see him again it so just, just sucks when, the, you, when you think about it that way you're, you're absolutely right because, you know, and I think just within, especially where we're coming from, so a military background, and then you're looking at the fire service, and the fire service isn't a lot different in the aspect that 
when you go through trauma, we don't sit there and go, all right, cry it out. You know, come here. We're like, all right, nut up, move on. You're fine. That's right. Ignore and override. I mean, maybe that's just my experience. I don't know. Just bury it down deep inside and it'll go away. Yeah. Bury it and drink it away. Deal with it like a man. That's right. We don't cry. At I'm least I know. Or I say I don't cry. I've always said that I've cried free since 93 because I was born in 89, so there's a period of four years where I cried a lot. And then hey, after you that, too. I've been cry free, so, you know. Hey, you too. Four man. years. All right. Going <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Born in 89, yeah. too, yeah. 89? Uh, it's a good year. Yeah, I was born in 89. Gabe, he was born in like 73, something like that. I had the Vietnam War was still. 1960, though? He was born in 63. He was. He was. Summer of 69, bitches. Were you in Nam? Fall free in 63. I was too young. They wouldn't let me go. <laughs> That's cool. Also, uh, I can, before that? you. Before that, uh, I just got to point this out because it's been making me laugh this whole time. Uh, TJ, your microphone looks like the Tauntaun. Uh, that Luke Skywalker fucking rode on when he was frozen, and it's making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you say that was a tauntaun? Yeah, I think that's what they called it. It was the tauntaun. I wonder if it's as soft as his microphone, though. Yeah, I, I, the most, I doubt it. The most impressive cool. thing about that statement, aside from you picking it out as being from Star Wars, is that you remembered that it's called a tauntaun, dude. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I sat here this whole time and I was like, God damn, they're talking. And it's just reminding me of Luke Skywalker right now. And I was like, they're going to cut it open and live inside it. Because <laughs> they're cold there in Oklahoma. It is cold. Doesn't it make you want to touch it, though? Yeah, I really have been wanting to touch it since he got it. You're talking about the microphone or? <laughs> you. I was talking about you. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> But I'm going to step in and be the grandpa dad that I am and re realign this train on the tracks. And in your military service, how many deployments have you done? Just one. Just one. In what year? So, 2011 what year? to 12. And you went to? Lived in Kuwait, and then we ran convoy security into Iraq. That, that mission probably lasted three of the nine months. Okay. And then other than that, we just like worked out a bunch and got jacked. And I was really hoping you were going to say Djibouti. Djibouti? Yeah. Um, and then when you returned, you uh, reclassed again into an 11 Bravo? Yeah, so whenever I went 19 Delta, I really like the reconnaissance side of things. Recon is just, it's a lot of fun if you delve into it, and then you read, like, old war stories and stuff, you know. Uh, so the, the the war that I like reading about is the Vietnam War, and um, the reconnaissance, you know, they had a bunch of recon teams as part of SOG and all that, and I just, I don't know, I fell in love with that, and I wanted to go back 11 Bravo because I like the infantry thing, so I went to the scout platoon because they were the reconnaissance team for... They were like a battalion asset for all the infantry companies. So, you know, I reclassed. I, I want to say it was like 2015. And then how long before you went to the EDOS program? So I went, I went ADOS in 2014. So I was already... So I worked at the county jail as soon as I got back. Uh, my dad got me a job. That didn't last too long, you know. Uh, bad joke thing i kind of shared that with y'all earlier but you know it was just kind of a crap deal so in the military we joke about a bunch of stupid stuff you know what i mean and everybody takes us that it's like oh that guy's joking around you know but anyways we found we found some drugs um and i was like we sh i was a shift supervisor we should flush that you know and then not report it and i was like i'm just kidding but then someone like ratted me out and said hey he was trying to like flush drugs so we didn't have to do a report well, first of all, I didn't say that, but they, they canned me anyways. Uh, and then 
I <laughs> went to work summer, for. <laughs> yeah, I went to. They took it too seriously. They didn't realize it's giant, whatever you know. That's on them. Uh, but it led me to where I'm at, so that's cool too. Um, so I went ADOS. So I was shipping t kids to to basic combat training um, from 2014 to 2017. Whenever I went recruiter, so. Would you say that makes you an asshole? Which part? <laughs> Being a recruiter. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> at least a lot of people think I am. You know, <laughs> what's the, what's the hardest part about being a recruiter? Is it getting past mom and dad? Uh. Or is it doing mom and dad? Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, no, it, the hardest part of being a recruiter. So for me, for for me, the hardest part of being a recruiter was yeah, just dealing. I, I enjoy it, right? You get to, I'm, I like being like at the center of attention sometimes. I like giving speeches and talking, uh, doing presentations. So that was not hard for me. That's the hardest part for most people going to recruiting. They, they like, they clam up whenever they talk in front of people. For me, yeah, it's just dealing with, you know, like we talked about earlier, this generation deals with things a lot differently, you know. Um, we have a lot of good benefits and we get a lot of kids that still want to serve, you know. Um, and they're like, yeah, I just want to, I'm going to be in the military. Uh, and the guard's the best route for them because, you know, active duty is not for everybody. And some people are like, hey, what can I do in the guard where I won't get deployed? It's like, I mean, we're still the military, you know, the, the job of the military is wars. Uh, so you have to kind of work around that. And that's just kind of a challenge to, because for me, I always wanted to get deployed. You know, that was never a problem. But for kids nowadays... They don't want to want that, so they just want benefits. But we have awesome benefits. Uh, so if you want to join the guard, hit me up. Uh, solid pass for me personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I did my time. I did my time. Uh, but right. what's what's the most rewarding side of being a recruiter? seeing people that you've recruited go and do like awesome things you know uh because like i said a lot of the people that we ones that like want to go and serve um and just seeing them come back later like so had a guy who wanted to norman police officer in norman oklahoma uh done a lot of things worked in the prison then he went the the police officer side and then he hit me up and he was like, hey, I want to I want to join the guard. And then he joined the guard and then he went officer. And then so a big deal for someone going officer is your first salute. The person that you pick for your first salute and you give him like a silver dollar and all this. Um, and he, he called me up. He was like, hey, I'm about to graduate uh, from officer candidate school. I want you to be my first salute. So I got to salute him for his first time. He gave me the silver dollar. And it was just kind of cool to see this That's guy awesome. that wasn't in. Then he came through, went through all the training, was successful. And now he's yeah. a you know, a lieutenant out there in one of the units, so. I take my your day statement back. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a solid story, dude. I I almost thought about joining again, and then I remembered, fuck that, so. <laughs> You're a pretty good recruiter. Yeah, I Googled that story. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. You almost got me on a Google story, you son of a bitch. I hate when that happens. Ah, uh, shit. So when you uh, deployed, but, you said from 2011, 2012, right? Yeah. So were you married at that time? I was. So I was dating my wife, or I was dating my girlfriend at the time uh, for a little over a year. And then we found out we we're going to be deployed. So I proposed we got married right before I deployed. Um, and then maybe like a month before we deployed. And then she was, she got pregnant. So um, whenever I was deployed, I was married. And then my daughter was born nine months into the deployment. So... Now, how did your shotgun wedding kind of thing? How did your wife yeah. handle your deployment? If it was, she did pretty good because she went and lived with her parents. Her parents have always been like a source of like uh, support for her, so it wouldn't. I mean, there was those challenges, you know. You don't get to see each other every day. You right. fight because you know she's dealing with this new kid, and whenever your kid's born and you're not there, like, so I I met my daughter like the day after she was born. And then you only get, what, 10 days for paternity leave, and then you go back, and then you meet her again down the road on your two-week leave during the middle of the deployment. And you, For me, I didn't feel like a dad, you know? 
Yeah, I had a kid, but I had really only spent like three weeks with my daughter. So for me, I was just like a guy and I had a kid back home, but it didn't really feel real. Um, I, so whenever my daughter went right, over the phone, I did cry. So, you know, I lied about being cry free since 93. Oh, you son of a bitch. No, I know. Cry free uh, since 2013. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, rough. But anyways, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was just tough because you, especially if you're married, you know, everybody around you is getting divorced. They're like, their spouses are cheating on them and. You know, it's just being yeah, on the phone all the time. That. Yeah, uh, so the, yeah, that totally didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but you know, there, there's those challenges, and then you, she's dealing with all this stuff back home, and you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, do this convoy tomorrow, you know, but you're complaining about this, you know, um, so you start to you think a certain way as a deployed soldier versus someone that's here on the civilian side. Um, so we'd get in those fights, but for the most part, I mean, she's she's really cool. We're probably one of the only uh, couples that made it through that deployment and beat the statistic. Yeah, and even then, like we had friend friend group, we had a friend group that weren't military, and even some of them were, you know, divorced on the civilian side, spending time with each other. But I feel like making it through that deployment, you know, definitely makes you a stronger couple. If deployment, yeah, yeah. For you, what was that like? Uh, I guess, or what do you think it was like for your wife just being on the opposite end of that spectrum? Probably terrible because she was probably like, man, this dirtbag should be here changing this diaper and not me, you know, <laughs> whatever the case is. Uh, I know she probably would have definitely enjoyed the help, but for her, I mean, she was a single mom for, for nine months, so. So how do you yeah. think she got her way through it? Was it family or... It was 100% because she lived with her folks and they were lit. So I don't think she could have done it you on think, her own. You know? Well, I think she could have. So My wife's awesome. That <laughs> but without that support, without that support of her family, do you think that your relationship would have made it? Yeah. I think I think we could have found a way to make it, you know, just because we were both dedicated to each other yeah. and, you know, whatever we had to do. Like, if we did start having, like, a, an argument, we'd end it and be like hey you know because we we've talked to people that were deployed at that time i've been in you know five years and people give you advice and they're like hey make sure if you start fighting don't like carry out the fight on the phone just end it and then call her the next day if you can um right. and that that helped a lot able to cut it off there some people weren't able to you know you just uh, have to pull down a little bit yeah you know military guys are very prideful in general usually maybe um and so you want to just finish the fight and be like at the end, be like, I won, you know. Um, I had to swallow my pride a little bit and be like, you know what, let's stop here, go on. And, you know, like I said, she was really awesome. She was able to see that side of things and she was able to take all the punches that came. So, you can and, speak for everyone, by the way. It's all right. We're and, gonna, uh, gonna uh, plaster like you speak for all recruiters anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm you out, bro. Uh, what does your wife do for a living? Stay-at-home mom or a career mom? She's a stay-at-home mom right now. She's, so she's going to school. She wants to be a school teacher, uh, which is super cool. I mean, awesome. Yeah, it's it's. We need better school teachers, and I think she'll be a good school. She's teacher. She's gonna have so. PTSD from that. I'm just gonna let you know now. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my wife. My wife is a teacher. Yeah. What grade? And uh, she teaches first. She's taught first, third, and sixth. Okay. And to this point, I think first is, I can't even say first is our least favorite. It's just different in Arizona because first grade kindergarten is not required. So being a first grade teacher, you actually end up having to teach everything they should have learned in kindergarten sometimes as well as first grade. So it's just kind of a wild world that she lives in i can't imagine uh if i'd have been with her when i was in the service you know we we all yeah. were doing the things we were doing then if i would have had to try to sit there and like jumble all the stress that she goes through and i know she goes through on top of what we were going through i probably would have been cool with it but i don't think it would have been any more beneficial because i would have just done what i do now where i'm like yeah that sucks sorry yep uh-huh 
I'm sorry about that. Though. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah my wife's a school teacher also. She does uh, elementary. And it was either this year or last year, she just started doing, uh, they, well, the school district that she teaches for just started a, a new program. It's all virtual. So now she has Ooh. to do all the same stuff, but doing it only online. And then, you know, like kids not doing their homework or needing help with stuff and trying to do it all online. I can't imagine how difficult that is. And then, well, it seems, you know, it seems like they're doing the work twice at that point. Right. Well, and then on top of that, though, it's like, I mean, you guys know how terrible our internet service has been. So, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, in case you didn't notice, my internet. But now nah, she's been doing that, and uh, I really handle it like a champ. You know, just got to figure out where to go to get internet service so you can, you know, teach your students and stuff. So you think about it like I can't imagine back when I was in school having to do stuff online kids that have like they have Google and stuff these days hell I mean I understand I had it when I was in high school I just didn't know how to use it you know what I mean yeah because it was in the infant infant stages of uh, growth and it was like uh, what do boobs look like Right, <laughs> and that's what, and that was what we used it for, because that was the only thing we knew uh, we could use it. Online, no. we can use the, the house phone when you're online. Yeah, because you're a dickhead. <laughs> well, back in the '70s when I was coming up in the world, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have the old interwebs. You sons yeah. of bitches. Back when the wheel was first made, and Gabe. You know what, you son of a bitch. Fire. There's a lot of things that I am, and I'm older than all of you. I am. But I am not Sergeant Whaley L, so shh, don't start the wheel. You believe him at this. He is a great human being. Hey, Dude, I did, love you have to, did you have to draw your own dick pics and send them through the mail? Yeah. That's, That's how he became an artist, actually. That's <laughs> yeah. how I learned how to draw. He was 90% of the dick drawings on the dick table in Afghanistan. <laughs> That's impressive. That's a fair statement, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you trace it? Oh, God. No, dude. It was live action. It was uh, three <laughs> inches action. worth three inches worth of live action dick pic. The best three inches of live action of your fucking life, dude. So yeah, it was, too. It. Damn it. I remember. Get over it. Took a lot of, a lot of naps under your dick. Or dicks. <laughs> or drawings. Dude, there was a plethora of dicks under that table. There was a lot. Yeah. I think the uh, other mass portion of that uh, collage of cocks came from Grijalva. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was killer at it. Like all the ones that were actually dressed up in like like Army battle uniforms shit. and yeah, yeah that shit was funny. He spent a little more time than I did. I would just get in there and like draw like an epic curled over veiny bastard but he like yeah. turned him he into cartoon. seriously yeah he, he took it serious which is good i mean we all need that it was, it was entertaining to say the least oh yeah. quick question uh what's the i was trying to think of this all day because i wanted to ask you like you know every time you go somewhere in the military and you're in a porter shitter and it always says so and so was here. What's the name of what's the name of that uh, private? You know who I'm talking about? You talking about the one that loves cock? <laughs> yeah. Starts with a W. <laughs> uh, Wagner. Yeah. Wagner loves cock. How many porter shitters were you in <laughs> when you were in the when you were deployed? Had a Wagner loves cock in it. Me. They clean that stuff every day where I was at. So. What? Yeah. How do you yeah, clean plastic? It's it, it like a half mile down. Well, we had like these big ones, and they had like the just the hole in the floor that you could squat into, you know. Um, well, we like, had those too, but they still legit. had graffiti. 
Yeah, I, I never saw it. How the fuck did they clean it? <laughs> clean it every day. It always smelled like bleach. All right, welcome to the next episode of Mysteries Unsolved. <laughs> How did they clean the porta shitters? Like I said, I lived in Kuwait, so I mean, it was like, it's rich over there, man. I saw my first Bentley in Kuwait. Where the fuck did Wagner Scott go? <laughs> I didn't come to Kuwait. I'm genuinely mind blown right now. I need to know what the fuck the science is behind this. I am. Oh, so I never use it. I was yeah, I've never gone anywhere oh, and not safe. seen that. Yeah, right? It's it easier. Mm-hmm. It's like, I still see it. 400 yards away to go to the restroom, so I just peed in bottles. Well, I have a new goal in life. When I go to Kuwait, I'm putting that up. There you go, brother. Do it. And you're going to make sure it stays, too. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it every day. take a stencil. I'm going to get real You're going to take too. a stencil with spray paint, baby, and make sure it's on there. And clear yeah, cut. Yeah. You like better carve it in. Carve it, carve it through the fucking yeah. thing, because apparently yeah. they have some plastic washing fucking miracle cure to just get rid of carvings as well. <laughs> Yeah, they can't. I'm right now. So, real quick. they did. Uh, Brian, can you scooch maybe a half an inch to your right? Thank yeah, you. Look at this beautiful face, buddy. Now we can. Yeah, we need to see that mustache and all its glory. I don't know. I go through phases where I'm like, I should grow a stash. Yeah. So, con- I mean, if you can see me right now. Yeah, if you can see me out now, I'm actually, I'm not Mexican, so, I know, big shock. I'm Asian, so. He's Irish. Like, like. Yo, that was my, that was my question. I was going to ask if you were, if you were Hispanic, and then if you weren't, if you were Asian. Those are my two guesses, and I just want to put it out there, I was right. I'm yeah, I'm half Filipino, so. You're um, racist. But, I can't count on, on two hands how many times people have come up to me and just started speaking Spanish. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish, I'm like, bro, I'm Asian. Leave me alone. I work with all Spanish folk. I haven't picked up on a goddamn lick of it, and I've been trying. It's tough. I can send you. I can send you a like a little guide of how to understand and speak. It would be all three words that Gabe knows. I know a bunch (laughs) of words. Bondo. Give me four. Five. Give me five words. Uno mas cerveza, por favor. You can't give them the answers. <laughs> There's Loco, Cabeza, <laughs> Escolados, Biblioteca. Uh, he knows these because they were on mainstream media. No, he speaks Spanish, guys. He speaks Spanish. Uh, we're good. I, I believe you. <laughs> he can ask. He can ask. What? Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and the same shit I can ask. Where I'm like. Uh, one more beer, please. So you are a lying sack of shit, and you picked up a couple of words, you fuck knuckle. Quit no, lying. I knew these. No, I knew these before. Because I taught you. <laughs> yeah, probably. I can speak Japanese too. I know a super cool phrase in Japanese. Me no osawate. He likes boobs. No, that, mean? I, that means I am number one horny man. Would you like no. to see my? No, Ichiban Skibihancho was the um, number one horny man. And then Mino Osawate is, do you want to see my penis? Oh, that's it. Yeah, Hi, you were adding to, to what I said. <laughs> my bad. You what? Will y'all text that to me? I've got somebody that probably wants to know that. Yes. That yeah. Japanese words. <laughs> I just remembered Ichiban Skibihancho, and I remember Gabe asking uh, how to ask, how do I see your boobs? Or what? Yeah. <laughs> Show me your boobs. Show me your boobs was what I asked him to teach me, and then he taught me the Mino Osawate. So I walked around everywhere screaming that shit throughout Afghanistan. And then one day, somebody, um, another Marine that was deployed to Japan was like, you might not want to scream that anymore. And I was like, why? And she's like, because it means, do you want to see my penis? And I was like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> he taught us the <laughs> show me your boobs. I just don't remember what it was. Dude, I don't remember either because the show me you, you want to touch my penis or whatever was way cooler. Yeah, that like, clicked with <laughs> you, and then Ichiban Skibiancho stuck with me because you can like yell that in a very Ichiban Skibiancho, and uh, I feel really cool about myself because it's like the uh, it's like the uh, you know watching uh, football americano, and they're like echo. And that's how I feel about Ichiban Skibihancho. 
You need a samurai sword whenever you say that. Oh god, I know, right? All I've got is a claymore. People in Arizona <laughs> have goddamn samurai swords. Is there yeah, a lot of samurai swords in Arizona? Just kill the guy that owns a ranch 15 miles to the west of me claims he killed 14 aliens with a katana. That's awesome. Because they were raping his wife. Yeah. Well, not all of them were raping his wife, but he's killed 14 aliens. There were just alien. There were aliens there that raped his wife. Fuck off! I'm gonna see an story. I'm gonna make it up to be my own. They were all raped. He used a katana to kill them. The whole thing is just fucking crazy to me. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, samurai swords. I had a guy walking in my office as whenever I was recruiting, and he was like, "Hey, can I get a waiver for my charges?" What's your charge? He's like, "Well, someone broke into my house and they stuck." Like, a, he had the chain, you know, locking his door, and he stuck his arm through my door, and I took my samurai sword, and I hit his arm. I was like, oh, yeah, we could probably get a waiver for that. He was like, yeah, it's just, it's weird, because, like, I can't get a job, because people ask me, like, why I did that, like, 42 times. <laughs> like, yeah, never mind, you can't get, you can't get in the military, man. Well, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Like, okay, never mind. Need to open up with the 42 wax instead of just the one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's I weird. Luckily, like he's smaller uh, than me, so I felt safe. I feel like that's not fair, though. Because, I mean, if you shoot somebody, you're not going to just shoot them once. Yeah. But uh, I need a 47 round mag, though. So, yeah, I, was always taught, I was always taught to come <laughs> up that if you're going <laughs> to shoot somebody, you have to make sure that you're the only one that could give a witness statement to make sure that it's the story that you want told. You know what I mean? That's right. So you shoot everybody. <laughs> uh, just the person. You just shoot the perpetrator and then make sure everybody's on the same page that is wearing the same uniform you are. I'm glad you clarified that. TJ's going to yeah. get y'all kicked off of everything. <laughs> no, I don't no. think he will. No, it just takes a it just takes a violent email sent to uh, every corporation, and then you're right back on the next day. It's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, we've been there. <laughs> we, we played this game before. <laughs> on episode one, actually. <laughs> yeah, we fucked it bad. <laughs> I just got asked uh, from a listener that isn't me. What size hat do you guys wear? What size hat? Seven and a quarter. Yeah. Oh, really? I just you, I just ordered a hat the other day. Yeah. Yeah, I got a small hat. What size is yours? About seven and a quarter. <laughs> you don't look like I, a seven and a quarter fat hat, hat guy. No, I got a. I look like I have a fat face and a fat well, head. I'm not saying that. You look jacked. No, I just. My brother, my brother, my brother, my brother took all the fucking head size. It's it's unfair. <laughs> Like, what I got the head? muscle, he got the... Let's guess wear, what size uh, he wears. Snapback, baby. Let's guess I'm what going, size uh, I'm going... Seven and three quarter. I don't know. Put my hat on, dude. Shirt's I'm going to go seven, here. three, eight. Is it too big for him? He just looks like he would have a larger, like, cranium. That's tight. Yeah. He's about a nine. <laughs> He's not God Oh shit! And Gabe wears a snapback, so he has no idea what he wears. But it's probably oh. a fucking ten. A what? What? He's like, no, a big That's why I wear snapbacks, so I can adjust. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably like a fucking. You probably actually are like a fucking eight and a half nine. That's what I was Swap those next and see. I don't wear underwear. Um, yeah. We went over this. We got easy access today. Yeah. Why would you wear underwear? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just an extra layer to try and get through when you got a shit real bad. Here, I, I've got a uh, In case you were wondering, yes. One thing that's easier with underwear on. Nothing. There's not a goddamn thing that's easier with underwear on except for dealing with chafing. Yeah, I was going to say not chafing. That's the oh. only fucking thing. It's a sweat catcher, so you don't look but, like you your pants. But that's the problem with though with it because 
if you don't have them on, you don't sweat as much. So there's like a, it increases your like, uh, sweat range, but yeah. once you hit that sweat range, you sweat 10 times more because there's nothing to catch it. Yeah, that's true. But making it like, let's make it weirder. If you do sweat, it just drips all the way down your leg. And then you've got like some lubrication. Yeah, that's fair. And then you don't yeah, have that's to fair. This is another unofficial app we're actually about to dive into here. You might I actually appreciate you these. Go ahead She's, and go with it. You shut up. She's you underwear. Shut up. I'm still on the underwear. I'm still on the I'm underwear. I'm on the underwear too. She's underwear. That's what you need to fucking look into because it's got sheath a bag underwear? for your penis. Sheath. Like a sheath okay. for your sword. It's got a so sheath for your sword. <laughs> I've got this, I've, I've got the sacks kind of underwear where it's got a thing for your nuts, but yeah. this one has a thing for your wiener too. See, the banana hammock. The same thing. It's called separate. No, tech. it's got a pouch. It's got a specific pouch for your wiener and then a pouch for your balls. Yeah, so keep the balls off your legs and you dick off your balls. Everything's separate. Yeah, it's they're incredible. Cool. Do they make it extra, uh, extra small? Medium. Yeah. That's what I've got. I usually got to sew a little bit. And extra. they make it, and they're designed to make it look bigger. Large. Yeah, they're designed to make it look bigger too. Perfect. Oh. It's the it's the world's most perfect pair of underwear. It's got a wiener hammock. It's got a balls hammock separate from the wiener hammock, and it tries to make it look bigger. How do you spell that again? Sheath. Just S H E A T H. And they are the most incredible underwear, and if they would sponsor us, I would be so fucking happy. That would be the greatest fucking thing in my life. If you're only sponsor with cheap. I'm going to go ahead and plug mine as well and say, Rockstar, if you want to listen and send me cases, I'm not going to bitch. Yeah, Rockstar can suck a fart compared to Sheath underwear. I will slap the shit out of you. Don't ruin this for me, no, motherfucker. Of course light. Right? Of course light. Oh yeah, Coors Light be all right. I mean, Bush is better, but well, Bush, a uh, Bush. Bush. Uh, anyway, you heard so me. Let's uh talk about some takeaways today, fellas. Brian being the with? guest. Brian being the guest. Let's uh. Hit us with some of your takeaways uh, being on this podcast and things that you us and some things that you want to tell the listeners. Uh, I don't know. I might have to have to think about that. I think, I mean, just talking to different people that are in the military, you know, you've got all these different personalities. Um, so there's there's a little bit of something for everybody, I feel like. You know, so whenever you talk about some of the, the mental health stuff and stuff like that, you've got friends that you can reach out to, and there's somebody that's just like you, you know. It, not everybody's the same person, you know, so reach out to those guys and talk to your buddies. Uh, and then I learned that Sheep is pretty awesome, so that's pretty good. And, Fucking and then Phoenix isn't as gangster as I thought it was. I guess that wasn't on the... I thought It, it depends on where you're at, but Phoenix is either really gangster or really cool. Yeah, I just, just think the cowboy you know, to gangster ratio is a little off. Yeah, it, you'd be surprised, though, actually. It's super... I've got... I mean, everywhere I go, I'll see, like, six trucks driving with the American flag and a flag that says, uh, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> and go, Brandon. it just makes me happy. And then I fit. I feel like I fit in because my truck says all politicians are cunts. <laughs> Which is a drinking bros reference. Uh, if you listen to them, uh, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, it, it, there there's a lot more cowboy than you think. Yeah. So I went uh, whenever I was there. I went to Scottsdale, and then they have Old Scottsdale. Oh, that's where you screwed up. I had Old Scottsdale, and they had like a bunch of cowboy stuff. So it was like they were trying to sell stuff. Yeah. That we see everywhere here, you know. Um, their yep. cowboy hats are crap, though, so don't, like, buy a cowboy hat there. Yeah, I don't um, go there. Come to Oklahoma. But it was, oh, it was uh, cool. Honestly, I'd probably go to Montana. <laughs> Montana? 
Yeah, I know, but I have a buddy up there that uh, does leather work and makes saddles. Okay, yeah, leather work's fun. Yeah. Pretty fun though, huh? Huh? Cool. Cowboy? Huh? What's up? That's what I'm talking it's about. Pretty cowboy. Do you watch Yellowstone? I figured that's why you said. Fuck yeah, I did. And now <laughs> I've got to watch 1883. Tim oh, sorry. TJ, what was your takeaway? <laughs> you don't like cowboys, man? <laughs> he fucking hates cowboys because he's an Indian. <laughs> Fuck you, bro. <laughs> 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 and this is why we're going to get kicked off. Last time we talked about how you're Muslim. Did we? Yeah. I do. I, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> okay, we're not like talking about it. It's not. Uh, TJ, what would you take away? <laughs> um, one thing that I think I would go with is... Uh, how I guess like a lot of people don't realize how the National Guard does pretty much the same deployments as active duty. You know, they go to the same places, do the same jobs for the same amount of time or even longer in some cases where uh, FLED doesn't know that, you know, that's one thing. Another one would be um, while you're deployed, if you are married and arguments are going to happen, that's just part of the married life um i think it's a good idea like brian said to don't hang up during an argument you know finish the argument let it cool down um and then start again fresh never hang up mad that's what i was always taught so how about you gabe so i got a couple takeaways uh first off Brian, we you were talking about uh, as a recruiter, um, tell you that they want to be in the military but they don't want to go to combat. Um, your answer should always be Coast Guard. Join the Coast Guard. Uh, <laughs> Leave them out of this. They're badasses. <laughs> so you you want to be in the military and not see combat? Be a puddle pirate. Boom, and that's that. Puddle um, pirates taught us how to do puddle pirate stuff. Hey, The Guardian was one of my favorite movies. Is that the one with Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Ashton Kutcher. That's a good movie. I'm not trashing on them, dude. They do, they do their job and they do it well. But if you they don't, they dived on the submarine that. and knocked on the fucking door, bro, and stole their cocaine. I almost That's quit. Yeah. I almost quit the guard so I could go Coast Guard. Right after watching that movie. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I'm not saying that it's a bad. It's not a bad thing. But if you want to mostly not see combat, that's the route to go. What's the last, when's the last time you fucking jumped on a submarine and fucking knocked on their hatch? Never. I went to Afghanistan instead of having to go on a fucking boat, dude. <laughs> I don't go to the water. Marines I don't. Marines go on the water all the time. Other Marines, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> not this one, bitch. <laughs> no, sir. Oh, not shit. Not me. So, so where are your other 46 takeaways? Uh, I only had that takeaway for the episode and then you guys started attacking me about being Muslim and and not jumping on submarines because I don't like water but you know here we are yeah, in the thick of it so Derek what's your takeaway and then put us into the outro my man yeah so my takeaway I did appreciate that you were talking about the fire service in your community and the volunteer uh that's just awesome. I hope that somebody listening to this takes away from that and realizes how important it is to go out there and be a volunteer and do those things. Secondly, uh, you made uh, believers out of us because we were ready to join again. And uh, then we realized that that's fucking stupid on our part. Uh, so you are a badass recruiter. And uh, we did get to learn a lot and kind of trade words about what you actually get to do with the college side of things. And you made a lot of good valid points. And I hope that the listeners or anyone that is listening that isn't sure if they want to join or not kind of listens to this and takes away from that. I think that's awesome. Uh, So, and like you were talking about, always reach out and touch somebody. You could do it right now if you wanted. 
TJ's right there. You can just reach out and touch him. But TJ, yep, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so it it does. It, it's that's the most important thing we want to get away with on this podcast or get out there to people is that reach out, talk to somebody that you served with. Reach out, talk to somebody that you know needs just a little bit of a boost in their life, and always actually be a good friend and reach out to everybody. So, that being said, this has been another awesome fucking episode of Forever Broken. I appreciate you being on here, buddy. Uh, We really do. It means the world to us that you made the time for us. And hopefully this all pays off for everybody else. So, from the crew, Matt. Yeah. It really is. So, from the crew here at Never Broken with the Forever Broken podcast... Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, tune in and listen to everything in the previous podcast. Hit us up on the social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us at the Forever Broken Society of Misfits. Uh, We're on Twitch now. We're currently live on there. You can hit us up on there. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Snapchat to some degree as TJ's always so cleverly called it and changed my life in calling it that but please like us review us on Apple iTunes uh, there's apparently different which makes no sense to me but yeah please hit us up there like us review us give us a five star or give us a one star and I won't fucking pay attention to you ever again so thanks for listening in guys until next week 